Greetings, cyberspace, and welcome to episode 55 of the Double Density Podcast with your hosts, Brian and Angelo. First things first, Angelo, how are you this evening? I'm doing well, Brian. Uh, I'm a little late. Sorry, I'm usually very punctual, but uh, I was running a little late tonight with some parenthood stuff, but I think we'll survive. I think somehow, someway, I think we'll still maintain uh, at least like a podcast friendship, if not a real life friendship. I hope so. We, we see each other like twice a year. Yeah, in, it's, in it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. We saw each other a couple of weeks ago so we could send our friend Rob a birthday card. And that was fun. That's right. Uh, so this is the first week of a new and improved version of Double Density, a, a more democratic Double Density, uh, if uh, you'd allow me to say that, I guess. Democratic how? Well, last week, you and I had a whole discussion about Apple versus non-Apple news items in the tech section, and you were very, very agreeable about exploring the non-Apple side of things a little bit more, which I uh, am thankful for. And so this week, going forward for a little while, we're going to see where it takes us, of course, but Apple, non-Apple, equal distribution of items. I think it's actually uh, a lot less Apple than than non-Apple. And uh, the thing is, it's kind of, if you have a tech podcast, it's kind of hard to not talk about apple even if you're not an apple focused one they kind of come into the picture a lot because of where they are now in terms of the market very very good point but yeah we i feel like this week is gonna be a lot more varied than usual too in terms of like the types of uh, tech stories we're going to uh cover yeah i think so and i hope people let us know if they like this or not uh what uh i'm always up for like negotiation on what our listeners want to listen to because without them we don't have a show without them we'd just be talking on skype over and over to each other and recording and recording it yeah like super (laughs) creepily yeah that's fine for our kids to listen to in the future a quick housekeeping item friend of the podcast bruno and i were texting today because he had just listened to episode 54 and in the railing section he actually pointed out something interesting when he'd asked me why the uh, 49 years um remember that talking about like property ownership in 49 years yes yes i was wondering that as well yeah so he pointed out the fact and i guess i was just not googling properly but he was pointing out the fact that like in the jewish faith there's the idea of the year of jubilee um which is the like 49th year so it's seven times seven and uh, basically, Jubilee, I don't know, I'm going to quote from the Wikipedia article, Jubilee deals largely with land, property, and property rights. According to Leviticus, slaves and prisoners would be freed, debts would be forgiven, and the, mer- uh, the mercies of God would be, particularly, uh, would be particularly manifest. So it's the idea that after 49 years, like, it's like a, a changeover or like a retention, and it's like a cycle. Huh, well, I'm glad uh, our friends of the show are keeping us honest with uh, what we're saying on there and when we come to a little roadblock like that where we haven't been able to google things properly uh they're there to rescue us right so it's the idea of it's the last uh, year of seven sabbatical cycles so it's known as the sabbath's sabbath i thought that was pretty cool okay and seven times seven is 49 yeah and there's also like we're not going to go down this rabbit hole but there's also the idea of whether or not it's the 49th year or the 50th year i will leave that up to biblical scholars to discuss because that is not the focus of our show but i thought it was cool that we could talk about that and sort of like do an update yeah i i wonder why it didn't come up in your searches though it's kind of it's the thing is is what are the search parameters to actually find that yeah like i was having in 49 years of ownership like it just and i was getting a lot of like san francisco 49er stuff so i was telling <laughs> bruno that it was actually a uh, football conspiracy yeah and i signed jerry rice uh jersey so uh angela what's 49 minus nine it's 40 Wow, you just mentioned a great number, and in fact, it has to do with our first uh, story of this evening. It's uh, it's the 40th anniversary of spam mail. It's been that long since people have been getting spam. Uh, I guess we're not, we're only counting email spam, correct? Yes. Not like I, I, I guess if it's in physical mail, it's called junk mail, not spam. Yeah, I'd say that's that's an accurate assessment of what spam mail, like electronic spam mail, let's say, right? And this is what it has to do: spam email. Yeah, I. The thing is, though, people don't really think too much about spam anymore because spam filters have become so good that I rarely actually get spam in my inbox. Do you get it often? Super rarely, and these days it's a lot of like phishing attempts. It's not actual like um, uh, they're not trying to sell me like boner pills. It's actually people trying to get my info in order to uh, finesse me out of money. Yeah, actually, it's funny. About a month ago, I got a, a weird email at work saying somebody tried to log into my account. Uh, from across the country and it seemed actually very well done but i i didn't click on anything but i did send it to the it department and after a month they got back to me today uh, asking about it and what i had done obviously you clicked on it 
And yeah, exactly. And I said, I, I told them, I gave them my social insurance number and my uh, password and everything that was needed to get into my system. Ha- have you seen your bank account rise at all? No, it's gone down oh, well. for some reason. <sighs> That's super odd. I, I explained to the guy that, no, I, uh, I was sending it to them just to see if they've been getting other reports of it because... Uh, as you and I know, uh, not everyone uh, where I work is especially tech savvy about these things sometimes, and they may click on things that they should not be clicking on. Oh, that's, uh, and I mean, like, that's a daily occurrence, right? I can't even imagine how an IT person must feel at an institution where you kind of have to, like, preach and teach to, like, the lowest common uh, tech denominator, right? So a person who is perhaps older in age doesn't really care about a lot of the privacy concerns that you and I may uh, talk about on a weekly basis. Well... I guess it was about five or six years ago, back then, or even long, no, maybe before that, uh, we all had administrator access on our PCs. Really? Yes. So I think this was before your time too, so it's got to be over eight years ago. Uh, yeah, we had whatever we wanted to do, we could just put into our computers. And uh, a few of my neighbors around me had hot bars galore in their internet explorer. <laughs> so um, cards on the table, and I do mean that with a pun, uh, how much solitaire was played in your cubicle? Uh, in my cubicle, I never actually liked solitaire. So yeah, 40 years of spam email. Uh, you know, the first spam email was started on ARPANET, which is kind of like the, uh, the father of the open internet, if you will. And, uh, you know, uh, decades of annoyance, really. Well, there's one guy sending one email to a whole bunch of people about something, right? Yeah, he's trying to sell something, I think. Yeah, what a jerk. It's like you get access to this amazing new technology and you're trying to sell something. Just imagine, like, what does he think about when he's like, oh, I'm the originator of spam. And then suddenly, like, it's this whole, like, industry that he sort of um, helped perpetuate. Yeah, and uh, the thing is, I think what he was trying to sell was a little more legitimate than some of the stuff that spam uh, purveyors are currently trying to sell. So you've never ordered boner pills off of the internet? I have never done that. I buy them at the gas station like a dignified gentleman. <laughs> and paying in cash only, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of anniversaries, though, uh, so let's go from 40 to 20, and we're going to talk about the IMAX. The IMAX is turning 20 this year. Yeah, and this goes back to, like Aoha was saying, it's hard to keep Apple out of the discussion these days in tech because they're so big. This goes back to an era where Apple was basically on life support, and Steve Jobs had just come back and was trying uh, everything to bring the company back to what it was, if not make it better. And obviously it worked. And I think, and most people agree, if you read all the articles that came out this week, this all started with the iMac, and this computer was what finally got Apple the push that it really needed to get into consumers' homes. Yeah, I definitely do agree. And uh, we're going to link to an article from sixcolors.com. And in there's embedded a YouTube video where Steve Jobs um, dressed up snappily, of course, uh, which is kind of rare to see, right, when he uh, reemerged um, to take back the reins of Apple. Um, and he gives the the special you know event presentation and kind of goes through all of the really great um, sort of uh, features of the iMac. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of crazy to see how we got from there to here. Yeah, and what's funny with that keynote is that at the beginning, uh, he spends a lot of time talking about how Apple's retaining employees and how they're not like losing money anymore. It's, it's impressive to see how far we've come where now whenever they have a keynote, like Tim Cook says, yeah, we're doing fine. And then he just goes on to the, the things. Uh, there's also a really, really good and interesting Apple press release for the iMac, and it actually mentions how well Steve Jobs was dressed at that uh, keynote. So I'd, I'd want everybody to go take a look at it. It's actually on uh, on archive.org because it's so old. And oh, I, I like to think Apple was a little more fun back then. They seem a little more buttoned down now, and uh, they don't seem to have as much fun. Well, I think they had more to lose. Yeah, they have to. They can't really offend, or <laughs> they can't really have much of a sense of humor. They they do on occasion but if you go read this press release it's not a dry press release it's actually fun to read it's kind of dry and it's kind of like that weird thing where you don't know tonally what you're trying to say except like you have new news and you're like oh like our leader dressed up a little bit to deliver this news isn't that great guys yeah i i thought it was kind of fun though 
Yeah, I mean, it's kind of it definitely is a relic of its era that when you kind of read through it, like not only just looking at the site, which you found through archive.org, but also just the content and the way that like it's it's handled is very interesting. I definitely do not think that uh, the Apple of today would be using the words and phrases um, that they did there either. Right. But like I was saying, they had uh, more to lose. Uh, sorry, less to lose at the time. Right. Because they're kind of um, not the market player that they are. And um I definitely do think, and we could talk about this for a second, but the iMac is really um, a battle between substance and uh, and style, right? And I think that, like in this way, uh, style slightly won out in terms of the original iMac. Yeah, there were a few compromises uh, here and there, but overall, it was a new way of getting computers into the hands of consumers. It was much more towards the appliance end of things than it was like a, a general PC, and. I regret this all the time, not having bought an iMac in 1998, and I waited five years to get an Apple computer. I guess it was good because I ended up getting a, an OS X computer and not uh, a Mac uh, system. I think it was System 8 that they were running on that. Uh, Mac OS 8 was it? Yeah, it was, it was OS 8, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I used an iMac in 2001 when I started working uh, where I work now, in a different department, obviously. And uh, they uh, had an iMac with System 9 on there. And it wasn't the best computer I had ever used. Uh, it crashed quite a bit and had some weird, weird things. But it, I don't know if it was more fun to use than my Windows computer. The whole reason I bought a Windows computer in the first place was because of games. Right. And that's really the only reason. And then once I... Um, I don't want to say I grew PC games. I just didn't really feel like playing them anymore. That's when I switched to um, the Mac. And then we've discussed this before. I switched basically to be able to record music. And uh, it was quite a difference with that. Do you? So when you bought your iMac, um, did you have like that weird circular mouse that was like all the rage at the time that, for Apple products that plugged into the well, keyboard? So, so I never bought that iMac, right? Like the first right. iMac I got was in 2008. But uh, yes, the iMac had a work. Yeah. Had that weird puck mouse, yeah. which was awful it was so i bad. really did not like it it was really weird to like sort of hold it as an adult right because one of the places i worked actually had like an older legacy computer which we, we used for like very specific simple things like if all the other computers were used then you could go use that one if you had to um so the circular puck mouse was super annoying as an adult to use I, it didn't feel right i have big hands and it really didn't feel right to to, to kind of use it and you kind of would grab the wrong end of it because it was just the same shape it, it was an odd, odd choice. The thing that I find funny with the iMac at the time it came out, I was working in a big box electronics store uh, in 98 and 99, and you saw the iMac come out, and then all these copycat PCs and uh, peripherals that were like molded with the same plastic would all come out, and everything for the, for the longest time was that weird color, uh, the weird bluish green of the, the iMac, yeah. and then uh, subsequent colors like... We had all kinds of stuff in those. Did colors. you just I say subsequent? See... Did I say subsequent? Yes, you did. Is that a wrong term? It's, isn't it subsequent? Whatever. <laughs> Are you gonna... <laughs> okay. Oh, I'm being a pedant because uh, you were late this evening, so therefore I wow. get I get to I get to to nitpick a little bit. Okay, so every subsequent thing <laughs> that came out, like we have a we have a stapler in uh, in our basement where uh, and. That stapler is like that weird translucent plastic color. Wait, wait, because at home? Yeah, okay. my wife bought it, I okay. guess, like 10, 20 years ago when she was in university. And it's that weird translucent green color. And there are lots of stuff like the e-machines were one of the computers that came out. And I think they kind of got sued into oblivion um, by Apple because they were pretty much carbon copies of right. the iMac with right. Uh, windows instead sorry of, i'm still uh, thinking about that stapler because you didn't say where it was originally so i pictured it at work where you had to like take the elevator down to like basement three and there's just like this room work? with like this really like unfortunate desk where you had to like yeah, staple no. things no not in the basement of where i work in the basement of my home we have a little office in the basement one um, of the um one of the upsides of the iMac though is that it standardized the usb ports right like you know, they weren't they did away with a lot of the apple specific um peripheral ports and sort of standardized um using usb which is which was great in terms of market rate because that was um you know one of the formats that was emerging at the time firewire was still a ways away right so the idea of having this sort of standardized port um really definitely opened things up for them it was a gamble because nobody really knew what usb was there were hardly any uh, 
peripherals at that time, if you read uh, Jason Snell's article about it, he talks about how they were kind of freaking out because there were there wasn't much that was compatible with USB at the time. Uh, I remember being sold on USB as well when I bought my, I guess I got a compact Presario in 98 or 99, and it was, they talked about USB, but it also had the serial ports and everything. And I think the USB was one thing, but ditching the floppy drive, that was a big deal. Yeah. Um, I think it ended up making more of a ruckus than when Apple ditched the uh, headphone jack. The headphone jack, yeah. I feel like it, like you interact with your device in different ways, right? So the idea of doing it with the floppy disk um, and data storage in general, right, is, is a much bigger concern to some people than how are they going to listen to music. That's true. And then Apple did sort of the same thing when they got rid of the CD drive. I mean, the uh, thing is, I had a CD drive on my previous iMac at 2008, and I think I put a CD in there like five or six times. I hardly ever really put in CDs. So one of my coworkers at work is really, really into um, different subgenres of metal. And so some like he came in on Monday and he uh, or yesterday, like all the days are blending together at this point, unfortunately, at this time, because uh, I've been sort of like very, very busy socially, uh, which is like a weird humble brag, I guess. But whatever. <laughs> um, uh, and so he hands me this like CD sampler. And in my mind, I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. CD Sam, do you have a CD drive somewhere at home? Well, I have a Blu-ray player, and I have the oh, okay. I, and my my Mac laptop is a mid twenty twelve. It's one of the last models with CDs, but I don't see myself like inserting the CD in, waiting for iTunes to load, then tr- it trying to find the Redbook info, and then like sitting around waiting for it to load. I one hundred percent agree. It's really funny how when CDs first came out, it's like amazing. I don't have to fast forward or rewind this. It just goes straight there, and the sound is impeccable and perfect, and they're portable. They don't break as easy as vinyl di- uh, discs, as vinyl records. Uh, yeah, but we just move on. And now the thing is, is we're just so, using to ha- so used to basically having whatever we want at our fingertips that CDs seem quaint. I would literally have to borrow my parents' 2003 Pontiac Sunfire in order to like get a CD, like a dedicated CD drive going on. So that's <laughs> that's, that's definitely not something that's coming uh, along the turnpike within the next couple of days. So what I did is I hopped on Spotify and tried to make a playlist out of the trucks that were on there and handed him back the CD. Well, there we go. As li- and, and they were all on Spotify no, too? No, and, and that's no. And that's one of the yeah. things, right? Like, I, And uh, my fiance puts up with me complaining and griping about how uh, there are a lot of artists that I enjoy listening to and a lot of like um, different albums that are missing for Spotify. Like, for example, there's a metalcore band called Botch. And the only, uh, there's like one song off compilation, and I think it's their, and their live album, their like farewell album, but none of their other discographies on there. I see I'm much more mainstream than you when it comes to my music and pretty much anything I've ever really wanted to listen to is on Apple Music. The only thing that's not on Apple Music and Spotify or any streaming service that I would actually look for is Tool. Uh, strangely enough so uh, i was tweeting out the other day because i also was like I, it's been like four or five years since i've listened to tool um and so what i w- was doing was i had um ripped files of like my old cds on a hard drive so i grabbed the hard drive threw the songs onto uh my iphone through uh itunes and i, I use ios and uh all of the tracks were coming up as single tracks which was super annoying to deal with and it's like this weird new architecture that um, itunes is using in order to send music to your device and it's very unfortunate there's no workaround and if you if you google around you'll see a lot of uh, people in the apple forums complaining about just this problem that's so weird because i've never encountered that i I did have a weird issue with albums at one point, but there's a way to sort things by album or not by album. And uh, no, everything I've ever put in iTunes, I have, a, I have, I have uh, a couple of Tool albums, and they're in my Apple Music because I ripped them into iTunes years and years ago, and they're still there. Right. Well, I mean, for it appearing on iTunes, it's fine, and I'm not syncing my devices, which is probably another issue because I I don't have the room on my phone for all my my songs on iTunes. Um, so yeah. my workaround was uh, creating playlist based on all the songs and then just listening it to it that way. Yeah, it's Apple's weird sometimes with these tiny little edge cases that they don't let you do something, and it just drives those people crazy because they're usually the people that really want to do something specific. And you can't. Double Density presents the sounds of your youth. Double Density.
Speaking of driving people crazy, though, and um, things that are going awry, I linked you to a uh, Wall Street Journal article about the worst job in America. And uh, could you, before reading this article or trying to attempt to read this article before the paywall, if I had said, what is the worst job in America, what would you have said? And I think I know the answer to this, but we'll continue. Maybe being a White House doctor would be the worst job in America at this point. But uh, I figured you I figured you would have said like the White House press secretary, like, the, you know, there's been a series of them. Oh, yeah. Well, no, there's... Yeah, well, one guy lasted a couple... Uh, the Scaramucci lasted Shout out to like... Scaramucci uh, last summer, yeah. Yeah, he lasted a week? Yeah, probably like a week, like 10 days, I think, yeah. But I, I say that to say this. So I linked you this Wall Street Journal article, and it turns out one of the worst jobs in America, and I do believe it, having dealt with customer service on social media, is the New York Metropolitan Transit Authority uh, Twitter account. So um, there's a dedicated team of like PR folks who answer tweets upwards of 2,500 irate tweets a day, um, ranging from trains being late to uh, watching people pee everywhere to, you know, Yummy. Um, just all kinds of altercations and, you know, every single complaint under the sun imaginable about transportation appears on there and i thought it was really interesting because um it kind of lifts the veil behind what it's like to sort of like um interact uh, as a larger brand but not a commercial brand if that makes sense yeah and i just thought of the worst job uh, or a worse job than this i had read an article about uh gatekeepers at uh, facebook and uh, keeping bad things off of facebook and the horrible horrible things they see oh right like so it's that's... just like um on those like the porn tube sites where the uh the people screen content and you get very desensitized and actually have we talked about that on the podcast because there's a number of articles like long form articles that are super fascinating about that you raise a really good point though i hadn't considered that i completely had forgotten that i had buried it in the back of my mind uh, well because you want to those that you can see some awful awful stuff did you know there's horrible horrible things on the internet I uh, was told there was. I haven't found much yet. Uh, that is not true at all. I had a friend who was obsessed with ogreish.com. I don't remember. It was like a, like the spiritual ancestor to like uh, of like rotten.com. Oh, uh, yeah. I kind of uh, vaguely remember that. Right. So a lot of like the true, like it, it's kind of like the the natural evolution of like the Faces of Death compilations from the, the 70s yes. and 80s where yes. it's just like here is a repository of all the weird, sick, disgusting stuff you could ever want to see or find. And here's a gift to you. Yeah, no, it's not something I would ever, ever want to look at. But in terms of responding to tweets, yes, I guess it's draining. But it's, I wouldn't say it's like the worst job. Like I can think of, I can think of worse jobs like uh, asbestos removal or working in a salt mine or, um, I don't know, cleaning like high tower windows. That could be terrifying. Uh, I guess not worse, but who knows? <laughs> uh, I look, I must say here in Quebec, we have... Um, we have the, I guess the RMT, is that what they're called? The Yeah, for you guys. Because yeah, we, we have the, the STM here in Montreal. Yes, and, and uh, I've interacted with them on Twitter a few times because oftentimes our train will be late and nobody will say anything. Uh, I, would, you, would you be considered a regular? A regular tweeter? Yeah, like if they, like, they saw like, oh, Angelo Fiorentino's tweeting at us again. No, but I'm, I'm, maybe I'm memorable because I'm actually very polite with them and I, I'm understanding. It's just... I expect to hear something and they don't say anything and then it prompts them to say something. Could you walk us through could you walk us through like a typical tweet that you'd send? Um hi guys and girls. Um just curious about the status of the train. Uh thanks. Yeah, that's about right. Okay. I mean without <laughs> no, the, not not a not, not a thing like that. What's that? Without the pinching nose kind of sound? Yeah, no. I, do I sound like that? Is that no, how I sound? No, no, I just I picture you with your, your tongue out when you're like tweeting. Do I need more bass in my voice? <laughs> there you go. Perfect. A more intimidating tone, perhaps, uh, you know, an exclamation point or two. No, but I must say they're actually quite nice. Uh, I've interacted with them and then they, they bring things to DMs. And I remember I shared a conspiracy theory with them once about how the um, Canadian National Rail is actually trying to hold them back because they lost the contract to a different company. And that's why things are running more late than they Whoa. are. And they're like, yeah, we've heard this, uh, but we're not thinking it's true. But who knows? Here live on Double Density, things actually going down in the DM with Angela Fiorentino, folks. Double Density. So let's move from Twitters and tweets to phones and feats. I felt like rhyming. There's no actual feat in the next item, but uh, Google's got a new interface going on. And I thought that you'd want to talk a bit about it because you seemed somewhat interested, enthused, and skeptical all at the same time is the best way I think I'd put it. Well, you can use the word feat as in, like, uh, they've achieved quite a feat. That's true. In, uh, That's true. And making AI sound completely human. Thank you for saving my garbage joke. 
Yeah, see, I, I'm here. I'm a dad joke specialist. You, you were late, but you're reliable. Uh, yeah, see, so there we go. And uh, it's called Google Duplex. There, It's a way of making AI sound, I guess, more conversational. They, uh, Sundar Pichai presented it as an assistant that can help you make phone calls. It's not going to be geared towards everything. It's just a few things right now. And they gave no timeline of when this is going to be available, which is something Google likes to do. They kind of give you an idea and never actually put it out. Although Apple's been doing that a lot lately too, where they announce something and then it just never shows up, like their air power mattress or whatever. <laughs> not air power mattress, their, uh, their air power mat. Uh, so the charging mat, you mean? Yeah, the charging mat, uh, air power mattress. That would be pretty funny. Uh, actually, that's what a mattress is, right? It's a recharger for the human body. Oh, we're getting deep here tonight. Go on. Yeah. Go on with your thoughts on society and the way in which we operate, please. Okay. So anyway, let's go back to Google Duplex. Did you listen to uh, it making the phone call? Yes. And it was f- freaky. Yeah. Wow. It made you say uh, a naughty word, Brian. It did. So you kept hassling me to do this because I, I've been sort of uh, trying to catch up on a number of things. And okay. I, hassling is a strong word. Well, there, I, there's two I, mentions of it today. I, I, I said, well, you should listen to this. And then this evening, while I was reading another article for tonight's episode, I said, did you get a chance to listen to it? And you sent me a terse tweet saying, uh, you're very busy with real life and to leave you alone forever and ever. Well, yeah, I mean, only half of that is true. And we'll let our listeners decide which half is true. But yeah, so I was listening to Google Duplex and it is freaky, my friend. It is machine learning at its core. And it is um, very scary to think of the implications, right? Because the thing is like... And I think we've talked about this a lot on the uh, the podcast, which I refuse to, by the way, to call it a pod. So anyone who calls it a pod, stop listening to us. Uh, no, not really. That's, don't do that because there's <laughs> a lot of people that call these things pods. No. Uh, anyways, uh, so I was just I was just thinking about the implications of it, right? Because we keep talking about how tech is like misused nefariously, and I feel like this is another instance where like it's well meaning to help and to sort of like move things along, but. At the same time, the amount of like swatting that could occur with this kind of of tech, you know, the the idea of like you could easily um, pretend to be someone else and get away with it is very, very scary. Well, for now, luckily, it's only Google that really knows what's happening with this. And it's being used in very specific circumstances. And even uh, Pichai even said that it didn't work every time. He just played a few of the ones that did work really well. And when it works, it works really well. Like it even did something you just did uh, a minute ago by saying um and breathing. And like not necessarily breathing, but like just finding cadence. Yeah, it's, I, if I didn't know that was a machine, I would have thought it was a person. I feel like we're going to tie everything back to Skynet firstly, which is, you know, uh, the end all be all to all of this, right? Yeah, it's possible it'll come to that. And, And their new tagline actually is make Google do it. Uh, basically, so it it gets Google to take care of menial tasks for you, like booking a hair appointment. But I I don't know I I'm not really. Do you remember that scene in Terminator Two where um, Robert Patrick imitates the kid on the phone? No, he the, 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 the parents. Sorry, yes, the parents. Yeah, yeah, the mother, and then he's got his uh, jagged arm through her face right. in the milk and, carton, and right? She, you know, yeah. and he and. Uh, the kid's asking about Wolfie and she's like, Wolfie's fine and Wolfie's not the name of the kid. This is exactly what's going to happen in like 15 years. Yeah, so you're picturing the Google Assistant uh, jabbing somebody through the face. Oh, totally. Why not at this point, right? Like it's just the, the logical progression of things, right? So first we had Rick rolling and masking your phone number. Now we have people talking to each other um, who sound human and have the cadence. And that is the one very interesting thing that you were mentioning is the ums. The um placement yes. is very, very natural. It's impressive. And it's funny because when you edit a podcast, a lot of people want to edit out the ums and ahs and all of them. You shouldn't... Uh, tip for podcast editing, don't edit out every single occurrence of filler words because your brain actually tunes them out anyway. When I listen to podcasts, unless I'm really trying to listen for filler words, I'm not going to hear them. It's also a really good way to know that um, your the podcasts that you're listening to aren't hosted by robots. Exactly. Uh, Brian and I, uh, we can assure you we're actual human beings. Well, I mean, I know you exist because I exist, right? But let's not, okay, let's not go down this philosophical hole. I think it's a really bad idea. Um, okay. Uh, in terms of like exploring like what is humanity, I think it's an episode unto itself at this point. Well, Google is also trying to protect humanity by getting people to be nice to their uh, 
assistance by now and in, uh, including a new feature with the Google Home that uh, forces people to say please when they're asking it for whatever they want to ask it for. I think it's a really odd feature. It's a machine. You don't really need to be polite to it just yet. But I guess it's... I Actually, my kids say please and thank you to Google all the time when they use it. So uh, Good. I think we're You're training there. them to like uh, uh, be subservient to their eventual robot masters. I'm so thankful people like you exist. Rebel, literally rebel. Swear at your devices. I think it's completely normal to want to swear at your device. I've never actually gotten too upset. A Siri gets me annoyed sometimes. I've actually uh, turned because... Siri off, so. Oh, you have? Oh, yeah. I uh, She keeps waking up whenever I say things that sound like, hey, Siri, so. Oh, it's that bad, huh? Yeah. It's, uh, mind. it's in proximity. I, I also work with several coworkers whose names are sort of like Siri, which is problematic during the day because multiple phones will go off. Do you work with that woman named Siri Alexa? No, no, I, I do not uh, as of yet, but who knows the, you know, the year is young. Uh, yeah. We're always hiring where it works. So, you know, you never know uh, where things are going to go. And, and look, there's lots more AI that Google presented. Uh, one of the things I do kind of appreciate them doing, if that's the right term, is their uh, emphasis on digital well-being and having people become more aware of how much they're using their device. It's something I notice a lot is uh, by commuting every day, I just see people buried into their phones. And I guess that's fine if you're commuting, you're just alone on the train. I'm cool with that. Where it drives me crazy is when I'm at the park with my kids and I see other parents just staring at their stupid phones and I want to just go and grab those phones and throw them out of their hands. But I'm a little violent, I very guess. Very aggressive, yeah. Very vicious well, kind look, of attack. Kids are kids only for a certain amount of time. Stop staring at your stupid phone and enjoy your kid. A stirring, I don't know what to call that. It's a directive, ideal. I feel like we're hosting a, a, an AM uh, talk radio show. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, what's wrong with humanity? Everyone get guns now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what Google's doing, though, is that they're, they're just going to try and make your phone less interesting by making things black and white and a few different features. We'll post some show uh, links in the show notes. Go check it out. I think it's a smart idea to not stay too long in your phone. We'd love to hear your ideas on the thoughts of the nature of humanity. Will our robot overlords overtake us eventually? Is Google Duplex just a sign of things to come in the idea of uh, the loss of identity, which we'll kind of explore in a future episode? You can always go ahead and tweet at us, double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram. You can also hit up our website at doubledensity.net and click on the contact tab to let us know what you think. Angelo, without further ado, I will see you in the paranormal section. Yeah, see you there. This is the Secret Transmission Podcast. We are a podcast about the strange and unusual, the secret and the conspiracies, the friends and the supernatural. We're a podcast that talks about weird things like number stations, the Bermuda Triangle, the Salem Witch Trials, time travel, the moon landing, the Zika virus, serial killers, cults, the deep web, UFOs, superstitions. We cover it all. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and Google Play. You can also follow us on Twitter, at Secret Transpod, at S-E-C-R-E-T-T-R-A-N-S-P-O-D. Come listen to us try to explain the unexplainable. Welcome back to Double Density, and as always, we are switching gears from tech to the paranormal. First things first, this week, Angelo, I forced you to listen to a podcast episode that drove you literally insane with rage. I'm talking like all caps insane. It was hard to listen to, but it was still entertaining. It sounded good. It was a well-produced podcast. Uh, I guess he's he's a musician, the host of yeah, it? Yeah, so it's the Josta podcast with Jamie Josta, who's the singer of the hardcore band Hate Reading. He had comedian Sam Tripoli on, and Sam's whole thing is that he does the Tinfoil uh, podcast, and he sort of explores different conspiracy theories and kind of goes down a lot of rabbit holes, and it's sort of like this like hour and a half of like the greatest hits of like what a conspiracy theorist believes in uh, like nowadays, right? Yeah, he was, um, dare I say, infuriating to listen to because he really just buys into all this stuff, and He's one of those, well, I'm just, I'm just asking questions. I'm searching for the truth. I'm, I, it makes me nuts when people are like that. No, like search for facts. You're not searching for any facts. You're just kind of going down some weird rabbit hole and thinking there's this bizarre conspiracy where there's none. And also something to keep in mind, and uh, I think that like Robin uh, 
and company covered this on an episode of Our Strange Skies, but they did a meltdown that was the Joe Rogan uh, podcast uh, yes. with Tom DeLonge and Tom DeLonge's additive idea towards like the, the paranormal right. So it's like this yes and attitude of like, of course the Anunnaki exist. And they, they talked about that actually on the Sam Tripoli episode. Oh, yeah. He was like all about Planet X. It's like this is proven garbage. And he was really into it. And as soon as somebody starts talking about Planet X and the Anunnaki and how we're in trouble because of Planet X, no thanks. You've lost all. You literally check out. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm done at that point. And I do think one of the more, so one of the interesting things is I was listening to like follow-up episodes because um, this episode was recorded a couple of weeks ago, released two weeks ago, last week, I think. And so um, the host had mentioned subsequently that he got a lot of emails of, of people not being offended necessarily by the content, but calling uh, a lot of what it was lazy and unresearched, right? And the idea that like he allowed uh, this guy to come on and have a platform that he doesn't usually have um, in terms of a different audience and sort of like explore these ideas without like grounded proof necessarily beyond like a lot of like manufactured YouTube videos that sort of like point to a conspiracy theory without actually pointing to ones with like concrete facts and and notions and ideas and was, and a lot of people had were voicing the idea that this was like very uh, dangerous because of the idea that a lot of people might be susceptible because um there's like this weird bias that like the first kind of information you always encounter about something you tend to cling to more so than like subsequent sort of like demystifications yeah exactly it's it's almost like he's he's like quoting loose change as a, a source of information like from a scholarly article or something yeah and it's 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 very unfortunate i think it's up on soundcloud right now soundcloud.com slash the jamie or the Josta show or the J- Josta show i can't remember what it is but if you want to spend like a really weird 90 minutes and sort of explore about everything that's wrong with conspiracy culture like that is definitely the way to go about it to learn what not to do if you want to start talking about things yeah you don't even have to get it through soundcloud you could just get it on whatever podcast medium you use so it's i i listen to it on overcast at 2x speed well there you go so it basically was like 45 minutes for you yeah, exactly. No, I didn't want to put too much time into it, but I, I almost shut it off at a couple of points and you told me to keep going and I kept going. I'm glad I listened to it because it was, it was actually entertaining. That's for sure. Like Sam Tripoli's funny. Yeah, he's, he's a great personality. A lot of what he brings to the table isn't necessarily um, what I uh, subscribe to, like my notion of what reality is, I guess. No, not at all. And the thing is, is that I think he actually believes this. He's not just talking. Oh, for sure. And that's, that's kind of a dangerous kind of thing, right? Very, very much so, because he'll get a fan following, and then all those people will buy into it and actually believe what he's saying when there's nothing to support it. Do you have a Sam Tripoli fan in the house? I think I hear one. Do you hear her again, the cat? Yeah, yes. she's definitely a huge fan of Sam Tripoli and conspiracy culture. That's that's cool. Good for you, I guess, cat. Yeah, last week she made it into our blooper at the end. <laughs> and this, this week she really wants to stand and uh, talk about conspiracy culture speaking of conspiracy culture though um i love this thing that you added in the show notes it's basically a link and uh with the link it says alex <laughs> jones is crazy uh now crazy is a very ableist term and it's very dangerous to use but i think in this context you are a little correct so you link me to an info war uh, sorry it's an inquisitor no, i would never link to Infowars. Uh, about InfoWars and Alex yes, Jones and claiming that uh, donald trump is actually fighting a secret war against the ai that wants to rub us out well, I think he's worried that this AI is going to call and uh, schedule him an appointment with the wrong hairstylist and his hair will get all screwed up. Or he needs to call for his spray tan and doesn't know what to do. Exactly. Are, are we going to get in trouble for mentioning that? No. 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 Uh, yeah, I think it's really funny when... See, Alex Jones, though, I don't know if he actually believes what he's saying or if he's a character. Uh, I'm, a, I'm still I'm, I'm not definitely, sure about yeah, that. Yeah, I'm definitely of two minds about that. So that, like, the first thing I do believe um, is that he understands that this is his uh, main money-making machine. So therefore, he needs to keep and perpetually uh, keeping in motion the InfoWars quote-unquote empire, which unfortunately I do think now is an actual legitimate empire. Um, and, you know, hawking all these different products and stuff uh, on his live shows daily, I think, is very problematic and also like... It's the end game, right? It's the making cash off of your audience game. Like every single uh, content creator wants to do that. Exactly. And uh, the thing with Alex Jones is he's making his money by stuff that's normally sold via spam email going back to the beginning of the show. <laughs> We're just kind of looping everything together here on this episode. I'm kind of I'm kind of into it. But yeah, the other side of things is that he might be absolutely uh, into what he believes. And I think a man who cries that much about that many different kinds of things may not have all of his mental faculties in check. I think my favorite, one of my favorite things I've seen of Alex Jones in the last little while is that before and after picture of him. 
him using his powder. Have you seen that picture? Yes. Where he just looks like he's a different shade of color. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of yeah. incredible, actually. Yeah. But the whole idea is like, I'm not sure where he lies, right? Because to admit that he's a character, which he actually did um, in his divorce proceedings, I think, um, kind of suggests that this notion that he knows what he's up to. But then again, um, watching him unhinged uh, once in a while is, is sort of uh, put that idea to the test. And maybe he does believe in himself fully. I I really don't know what to think about that. But what I do think is that I cannot stand Alex Jones and what he stands for. Well, this is kind of fun because I wanted to tie Alex Jones, um, which is a conspiracy culture, into the paranormal because that's what we do here on Double Density usually, even though we talked about um, Bill Cooper a couple episodes ago. That was kind of like an anomaly in the, you know, how we discuss things. I wanted to kind of like lay out some like Vegas style odds with you about like the paranormal versus Alex Jones. Sure, I can't wait to to see where this leads. All right, so I, I kind of drew up this like very cursory list, and I kind of want to discuss a couple of things with you and, and sort of like get your feeling if my odds are correct or not. So um, the first one on my list is that Alex Jones would have been abducted by UFO. So I have it at 12 to 1. Now, how did you come to the 12 to 1 odds about this? Because I think you would... Yeah, you know what? I think the odds would be lower because aliens would see him and they'd be kind of afraid of him. He seems more like... You know, like when you... When uh, humans go like uh, try to tag a uh, a bull or a, a tiger or something, they're not going to go towards the crazy one whose mouth is like watering. Uh, they're going to go to the, toward the quiet one. So I don't think aliens would ever want to abduct Alex Jones. He would probably be too problematic for them. Let me flip the script on you, though. Alex Jones was abducted, became defective uh, subsequently. <laughs> oh, well, maybe. Yeah, he was like a quiet, reserved man before this. Yeah, exactly. Like mid-90s, Alex Jones was completely fine. And then suddenly he had an encounter with the lights in the sky. And he came back down with a new sort of resolve to sort of uh, let everyone know that the Illuminati is out there. I mean, he's no David Icke, right? Like, he doesn't really talk about, like, the reptile people. He's more so, like, um, people-based, but he believes much more so in um, secret societies. Like, he's a huge proponent of the idea of the deep state, for example, right? So <laughs> the idea uh, is that Alex Jones, abductee, uh, defective human. Yeah, well, you know what? I... I can see that. So the odds, 12 to 1, not bad, Brian. No, I feel, I feel like they're fair. Like, they're not astronomically high. I don't feel like they're that close. I do feel like you you, ver- you raised some very good points, and like they probably want to stay away from him because he has that bullhorn, and, like, the, the, the big idea is to, like, not necessarily draw attention. But I feel like if we took Alex Jones as a man growing up having an encounter, I think that makes way more sense. Yeah. Uh, so Alex Jones uh, being targeted by a cryptid, I have it uh, a 5 to 1. Yeah, I mean, the cryptids could attack him. Is there like a, a the chupacabra, the, uh, the, uh, the the chupa jonesy? Is that what we would call it? <laughs> Hear me out on this, right? So the idea okay. that he, um, uh, in taking these like different supplements and things like that, has created an attractive scent to a, oh. a, like cryptids nearby, right? So he lives in, in Arizona, right? He lives in sort of like the desert. So the idea of a desert cryptid uh, creeping up on him in the night isn't so far-fetched when you consider the amount of supplements and things he must take if he uh, is true to his brand, right? Oh, yeah. They're, uh, they, uh, he's added some cryptid pheromones to his body. Well, and that's my whole point, right? I'm kind of like, I'm intrigued by like the idea that he has... Uh, that going on and i mean like if you do a quick search for like arizona cryptids you'll find a stuff uh, like a bunch of stuff like there's like uh bigfoot sightings out there which you know could be um targeting alex jones there's the giant jackrabbit um there's the uh like this like weird bat-like creature um whose name i can't remember hold on a sec the uh oli tiao uh which is i've terrifying. never heard of that one yeah there's like um there's something called the rake, which seems more like a creepypasta than anything else. Uh, I mean, there's the idea that there's like uh, thunderbirds out there in the desert. He's too. surrounded them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is that like he crazy. lives in the perfect uh, incubation area for him and a cryptid to meet face to face, preferably in the night, preferably when Alex Jones is shrewd and uh, sort of like uh, they're sizing each other up. Because you know how worked up Alex Jones gets when he wants to talk about 1776 and like his shirt is off and he's always just walking around. And do you remember? Um, I think it was Mother Jones a couple of months ago was covering some like um, some. Uh, harassment allegations yes and, and one of the really weird things is that he just like walks around shirtless all the time like at the Infowars headquarters yeah well he's showing off the his ripped uh, body because of all the supplements he's taking and that is going to attract the cryptids yeah uh, a little more believable than that though is alex jones being a cia plant i put i peg that at three to one i agree with you on that because it's total possibility that he's like 
uh, disrupting the way people think and just trying to separate people and figure out who's at odds with the government and who isn't. Right. And, you know, we we, we had MKUltra for like decades, right? Uh, you know, 40, 50 years ago. Like, where is the natural progression of like skunk works and like mind control and like mind warping, right? And I think that like these programs continued under a different number uh, and names, you know, and, and under different banners, but they continued, right? So why not have this really interesting, uh, very deeply embedded uh, CIA agents kind of disrupting things? And Infowars is a perfect code name. Well, yeah, for sure. Think about it. What a cool name that is. Imagine having it like a Monday morning meeting at CIA headquarters and you're like, how is, how's Project Infowars going? And it's like, it's going swimmingly well. We got like 4 million YouTube views this weekend. Like, isn't it like a great, like if you were like the project managing this, you'd be like, you know what? Keep going, buddy. You're on track. Yeah, makes sense to me. And I mean, the thing is, like, there are a lot of opponents of Alex Jones actually suggest that he's some kind of government type um, sort of rolling up the conspiracy theorists and sort of like corralling them together in an effort to sort of like um, control the messaging as well as collect names and information of people who are interested in the movement. That, you know what? This is making more and more sense as you speak about it. So do you definitely think that like maybe, you know, that the, I want to believe that so hard because that would mean that he's very, very... Uh, he's recognizing of the ideas that he's putting forward and he's just an actor playing them. And, and, and that almost makes me more comfortable than the idea that he, part and parcel, like wholly believes in everything. I secretly hope that he's an actor and making all this stuff up because for a person to believe all this and then become this famous because of it is kind of disheartening to me. Yeah, and uh, and that's the thing is like we don't necessarily know at the end of the day either, right? Exactly. Uh, high up on my list is the uh, final item, which I think and you will agree with me on this one is the idea of Alex Jones being haunted by a ghost. I have it at one to one, even odds. So let me. I think, let, it, I think it's funny. Let me explain why. Okay, go. Nine Eleven, Sandy Hook, Parkland. The Vegas shooting. Alex Jones has claimed all of these uh, different operations were either non-existent or false flags within the last like 20 years, right? So the idea of a victim of one of these uh, tragic events going after him makes so much sense to me. Yeah, and I think these things, and on a more serious note, like the when he talks about these things, it really upsets me because people are actually hurt. And I would hope if ghosts exist, even though I don't think they do, if they did, he would be a perfect person to haunt. And maybe he is haunted. Maybe that's why he's insane. And so he just stays up all night talking to the, uh, the ghosts that sort of haunt his home and follow his being around no matter where he goes? Well, didn't he think Obama was a demon? Yeah, he thought him and Hillary actually literally smelled like sulfur, right? So, Yeah, so there we go. Hauntings. I, yeah, I definitely I think, do think it's a one to one. I do think like it is like the idea of these tragedies is like no laughing matter. But the notion that he then goes out and uses these and gets up on his soapbox and uses um, the death of others in which to promote himself is utterly disgusting and unfortunate. And he does so continually. Right. So he hops from tragedy to tragedy, capitalizing on the narrative in order to, uh, you know, play to his base as well as like gain new supporters who... Uh, to a certain degree, and like I think this ties into what like we were talking about with Sam Tripoli, like there is this sort of like idea of like questioning the narrative, and that's fine in certain cases. But you know, in, in you know, in in Alex Jones is right now, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, being sued by parents of Sandy Hook victims because he claimed that that Good. operation actually didn't happen, right? And he claims that he was yeah. joking now, which is really friggin' weird to me. Well, that's first of all, it's not something you joke about. But uh, Sam Tripoli also talked about Sandy Hook, didn't he? And he talked about how it wasn't real. Yeah, and yeah, there's, I mean, and that's the thing too, is like, there's questioning the narrative and like denying that an actual event has taken place and having these parents step forward and be like, my child is dead. And like, that is a whole other kind of like um, problematic narrative to have. And I feel like the exploitation of the dead um, will have consequences both mortally as well as the idea of um, having ghosts uh, live with him, haunt him, and sort of like remind him of who he is and what he's done. Yeah, and I, I hope somebody's haunting him right now and he's being chased by a chupacabra. And uh, he's not a CIA plant. And that he needs to get tuned up by the UFO folks every once in a while. Yeah, the only one, the, the only one that's positive for him is that he's a CIA plant. So I'm hoping that one's not real. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, those were like my main four ideas for like what he's up to or what he faces. Uh, I didn't want to get into like time travel stuff or anything because it could be fun to sort of think that like he's from the future and he knows what he's talking about. And then, well, like, maybe we'll revisit this at a future date. We're all fools, but yeah, suffice it to say that Alex Jones is a problematic individual um, for a myriad number of reasons. 
Oh, yes. Yes, he is. Uh, very quickly, I just wanted to cover this super, super quickly, but there's a possibility that the government and uh, Congress in the States is willing to give money back to SETI in order to continue the search for extraterrestrial intelligence out there. So originally 25 years ago, they had um, a couple of million dollars to do so. SETI was out and about using a series of satellites and other things in order to um, map and collect info uh, of the cosmos. And that uh, money was taken because some congressman had said, eh, you know what? We haven't seen anything yet. It's been a year. So give us all that cash back. And now um, there has been a shift once again, because a, a series of congressmen and women are interested in seeing a return um, to actual uh, government sanctioned search for extraterrestrial life. And I, I just quickly wanted to ask you, Angelo, do you think this has anything to do? And I'm being very serious with like the idea of like to the stars and like promoting this idea of like a quote unquote senior version of extraterrestrial searching. Yeah, I think it's a good idea. I reading the article, the congressperson, I was I guess it was Congress who took away the funding. Yeah. The way he went about it and the quotes that he put of him, go read them. He sounded like a total douchebag. Uh but yeah, I don't I see that it being a really good thing to do because it's it's a it's a serious way, a scientific way of seeing if we're not alone out there. I don't think we are, but again, I st- I'm one of those people that doesn't think they're actually visiting the earth, but who knows? Right. So a quote from uh, Senator Richard Bryan when they pulled uh, the funding from uh, NASA, the great Martian chase may finally come to an end as of today. Millions have been spent and yet we have yet to bag a single little green fellow. Not a single Martian has said, take me to your leader and not a single flying saucer has applied for FAA approval. Yeah. What a jerky way of talking. I'm so down for the idea of trying to find, you know, new forms of extraterrestrial life, especially since that, like, alien megastructure is still on its way. Oh, yeah. It's still circling uh, the tabby star. Yeah. Come on down, guys. Like, end this sooner rather than later. We want to meet you. And with that, we conclude episode 55 of the Double Density Podcast. You can tune in every week and find us over on our socials. So uh, Twitter, double underscore uh, density, Facebook.com slash double density podcast. Same thing on Instagram, double density.net. You can find all of our newest episodes. You can find the different services in which we're on that you can uh, subscribe to in order to get all the newest episodes. You can also click on the hosts tab to see me, Angelo, and uh, Lollipop, who uh, made an appearance as she is a Sam Tripoli supporter, which is weird to me. You should talk to your cat about this. I will. First thing after we're done. <laughs> Tune in next week as we decide to talk about the Anunnaki. Are they a real or fake? Or are they somewhere in between living in your parents' basement playing D&D? Let's check that out, Angelo. I'll see you around, my friend. All right. Hopefully you don't get hit by Planet X. A chilling assessment here. See you next week. See ya. I was going to say I downloaded an NES emulator, but uh, just, <laughs> I, I had actually, uh, uh, you know what, dog, cut that out. <laughs>